Welcome to the Clean Truth, what we like to call bullshit on the status quo. What is up, guys? You're listening to another episode of the Clean Truth. I'm down on your host. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm by myself. No red today. Most of you that follow me on social media know that I just recently got back from a trip to Haiti. So I thought it would be kind of cool to share my experience and uh, kind of what I saw and what I learned out of this trip and what I've got out of it. People say all the time that a trip like this is life-changing. It's like a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The term life-changing is an understatement, you know. Um, I think I've been asked about a hundred times since I got back, you know, how how was your trip? How was Haiti? How was it? And I struggled for a while to come up with a a term to use to describe how that trip was. But if I had to put a word to it, it would be gratitude. You know, I learned to be very grateful for the things that I'm blessed with, that my family's blessed with, that our country and our society is blessed with. You know, you go over there and you see the people of Haiti who are beautiful people, by the way. They're beautiful people. They're nice. They're, you know, warm and they're welcoming for the most part. And they don't know any better. You know, the life that they live is, it's poverty to say the least. It's the, you know, it's, it's the poorest country in the world. And to see the kids smile and to see their happiness every day, it'll warm your heart and it'll make you, it'll make you realize that, you know, life is good and the, and the problems and the things that we complain about and that we take for granted every day, really, they're not problems. You know, they're very minuscule on a, on a grand scale. So that is my overall feeling of my trip. It was, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to go. I look forward to going again uh, with that group of guys next year. So I'll just start from the beginning. You know, Yvonne and I were in St. Louis a couple months ago on a trip um, for our um, oldest daughter's, you know, uh, nursing graduation or white coat ceremony, I think is what it was called. And while we were there, every time we go back to St. Louis, our first stop is First Form Headquarters. It's right by the airport. So every time we fly in there, we always stop and see the guys there at at, uh, First Form and hang out for a couple hours there before we, you know, move on across the river and go see our family. So we're sitting there in this meeting and we're talking to Sal and Brian Teach in, in Sal's office and that was when we had asked Sal to come and speak at our annual franchise convention. And of course he obliged, but he said, you know, there's a small fee. And I said, what's that? He said that if I speak at your convention, you have to go to Haiti with us for Brace for Impact. And I kind of looked at Yvonne and, you know, without too much hesitation, I said, sure, you know. And then when we left the office, I looked at it, you know, I looked at Yvonne when we were in the car and I'm like, what the hell did I just agree to do? You know, I've never been to Haiti. I don't know, you know was kind of nervous about it but I knew the group of guys I was going with I was going to do a good thing I was you know I was pretty proud of the decision and would have made it a hundred times over but you know fast forwarding a little bit it came time for the trip to come around and I was you know a week or two but prior I was I was really nervous you know I didn't google anything I didn't look anything up for a reason I wanted to experience the whole the whole thing honest and true without knowing too much information going in and and knowing what to expect. So that's how I handled that. And I was extremely nervous going into it until I got to Miami. You know, I flew into Miami and met the rest of the guys there. That's kind of where we all convened. 
stayed at a Marriott there right by the airport. And, you know, the evening we got in, we all got together. You know, some of the guys didn't know each other. I didn't know a handful of the guys there. We got to know one another and have dinner and have a beer that night and kind of hang out. And it, it relaxed me, you know, to say the least. It relaxed me a lot, quite a bit. Took a lot of my nerves away. Um, got up the next morning, had breakfast with the guys, and then we were headed to the airport. I didn't get really get nervous again until we got to the airport. And then I knew, you know, there's no turning back. Like, shit, we're actually going to go do this. And, um, you know, the... The flight was crowded, you know, and that was a surprise to me. I didn't really, I couldn't imagine too many people, you know, flying back to Haiti, but there was, and, and it was cool. I mean, it was cool to get to meet some people that were lived there locally that was going back that had family there and, and to get to see and talk to those people. You know, we boarded the flight, and when we landed in Capetia, um, you know, Kyle uh, Kyle McClellan, by the way, I should have introduced him, and I apologize in the beginning, Kyle McClellan is who, um, his, his charity foundation called Brace for Impact is who, you know, this group of guys went to support, um, to support an orphanage over there that was started by him and a couple other ballplayers and some orphans that, you know, grew up there in Capetia and, and started this, this foundation and this orphanage. And, um, Kyle and his guy, um, E, that's, that was his name. I think it's short for Estefan. Sorry, E, if I mis- mispronounced your name there, buddy. Um, both great guys, by the way, awesome dudes, um, friends for me forever now. I mean, I, I got to know them really well and I'm very fortunate for that. But, um, you know, they, the meeting in Miami, we kind of went over, you know, do's, don'ts, what to expect, what not to expect, that sort of thing. And, you know, landed at the airport and Kyle and he kind of warned us, you know, they were like, listen, you know, we're, we're foreigners here. So when you get there, you get out of the airport, you know, just, be cordial, be nice, you know, get to the, to the transport truck, you know, and, and, um, just be careful, you know, and, and they were right, you know, we got off of that plane and I stepped out of the airport and I knew I was in another world, you know, I knew I was in a different, different environment than what I was used to completely. And I wasn't nervous, you know, I wasn't nervous getting off the plane and, and kind of waiting for the rest of the guys to come out and, and all of that, I was just trying to take it all in. You know, it was way different. You know, I, I just, I'm trying to figure out a way to explain that. I mean, it, you stepped out of a plane onto a, into a fourth world country, and it, it's different, you know. But people were cordial. You know, we never really ran into any issues or, exp- or, or um, confrontations, really. You know, I mean, the way, you know, the people there, they don't really have any export or import or any, you know, um, there's no business there. So it's, it's just straight hustle, you know, and guys are trying to sell local crafts and, and whatever they can sell to make to make money. So, you, you know, there was that that you had to, to interact with and stuff. And it was hard not to want to buy it, you know, I mean, but for our own safety, we were, you know, trying to get all of our guys together so we could get on the road. But, you know, we jumped in the back of this truck and uh, I've been calling it the little red truck. It was a big truck actually. And it was a flatbed with guardrails around it. That's what the 20 of us guys rode around in, you know, for a week. And uh, that's what we were being transported back and forth. And so we all jumped into that, took about a 45 minute drive from the airport to the orphanage that we stayed at. And 
driving from the airport to the orphanage, we had to drive through the town of Capetia, and that was very eye-opening. It was, it was, um, it was very eye-opening, you know. And I, and I apologize, guys. Do, during this podcast, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stumbling on my words a little bit, and I'm gonna be at a loss for words when I'm trying to describe some of this because I'm trying to be very respectful for the people there and I'm trying to keep some things from our trip private but I wanted to share my overall experience so I apologize if I'm pausing and 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 stumbling and trying to figure out ways to describe some of this stuff but you know we're we're driving through Capetia and you know they don't have any traffic laws there you know there is no right lane left lane stop signs stop lights you know and the the traffic is crazy there's tap taps everywhere you know guys flying around on motorcycles it's kind of chaotic and you know to see even the poverty there in the city was indescribable it was but but even still you know i mean the the local people there were they were cordial you know they waved you know you know we we were getting some weird looks you know i i don't know if i would even call them dirty looks but we were getting looks like you know why are the why is there 20 big dudes in the back of a truck rolling through our city you know they're just curious they don't know you know they're not used to seeing that every day so but seeing the little you know the little markets and you know the um tables set up through the city of everybody trying to sell their whatever the case may be whether it's clothes crafts food snacks you know whatever they can sell and um that was a pretty eye-opening experience. We get to the orphanage that day. We fly in and took a tour of the, the campus there. We w- went and was fortunate enough to meet the doctor there that runs a hospital that was built um, by the organization. And that, that, was, that was pretty, I'm going to keep using that word eye-opening as well. You know, the, there's no power there. So everything on this campus runs off generators and to see this hospital and the way that they can, you know, be there as a benefit for the people of the community outside of the city was very cool to see. It was very cool to see that they can have modern day, you know, benefits of, you know, women can go there and have babies, you know, safer than what they could, you know, out, you know, out in the wilderness or out, you know, where they live. I mean, you know, they're, they're in the hospital and they have, you know, they don't, have, there's no air conditioning, but it's more comfortable. Um, and the really crazy thing that I took away from that, going to see that hospital was somebody had asked the doctor, you know, how long women, women are in there after they have a baby. You know, how long do they stay in the hospital? His answer was six hours. And I almost fell backwards. Now think about that for a minute. If you ladies were in the hospital having a baby and you had to pack that baby up and leave the hospital in six hours, that is just insane. And there was a lady there who had just had a baby that morning and we got to see her, meet her. And, you know, she actually ironically was leaving the hospital while we were there. And it was just mind blowing to me. Um, I had never, could have never imagined that, but you know, we got to tour the hospital and see the different benefits of that, and, and that was a really cool thing for us to see. They are in the process of building a vocational school there for the kids to learn, 
you know, learn different trades, which I think is beyond amazing. You know, I mean, being there and seeing what they don't have and then what they're going to be able to learn and do and make value, create value for themselves is, it's just an amazing thing to see. So, you know, after the tour, we went back to the lodge that we stayed at and we all got unpacked and got our rooms situated and everything and had dinner, met the lovely ladies that cooked for us all week. Um, the one, Miss Stephanie, was a great, great host, great cook all week, great singer, by the way. She sang us a song every night, which was awesome, great singing voice. Um, just an overall great night the first night, you know, and then sitting on the deck having dinner that night, um, we started a thing called High Low, and that was... That was something, you know, that was um, a pretty intriguing experience. You know, 20 big dudes, masculine alpha males sitting around. And the, the idea of it was, you know, to tell your highest part of the day and then what was your lowest part of the day. And we did that every night, every night after dinner, we did that. And that grew and spawned into something I can't even describe that to you, you know, but, and, and that is one thing I'll kind of, I'll kind of keep private for me and the guys that were there, you know, but that's basically what the gist of it was. And to, to, to hear some of the guys and open up and come out of our shells, even myself, you know, that was a hard thing for me to do. So, but it was cool. It was a cool experience each night. The next morning was Wednesday. We get up and that's when we were going to work, you know, Wednesday, Thursday was our work days. We were transported in a truck from the orphanage to the base of a mountain where we hiked up a mountain three miles one direction and then worked for like five hours. Um, they're building a church up on top of a mountainside, which was the views up there were absolutely gorgeous, insanely gorgeous views of the countryside. But the hike up there was very, very, very humbling you know, getting to meet the local people there. And as we're hiking through this mountain, and I'm not talking about nature trails, guys. I'm not talking about something that's beat down that you can ride a bicycle through. I mean, this is treacherous ground. Extreme hiking conditions is what I would call this. And these people are doing, they do this every day. They do it every day to go to the market, to get water, to get whatever they need to survive, to live. And you know, everybody smiles. Everybody was saying good morning, bonjour, bonjour. That's French Creole, by the way. Um, it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool to interact with them. And, you know, the, the kids that live out there in the countryside on the mountainside, when, you know, when they would see us, you know, they called us Blancos, white people. Um, it was cool. You know, they, they, they would smile and wave and, and interact with us. A couple of the kids would run down the trails with us and hold our hand and, you know, offer us anything they could, you know, and which was mind boggling to me that, you know, they don't have anything to begin with, but what little things they do have, they wanted to share with you. They wanted to get to know you and unbelievable. But, um, you know, we all worked hard. We worked hard Wednesday and Thursday on top of that mountain, helping those guys, you know, and literally we just, as, as crazy as it sounds, we just moved boulders. We literally just moved rocks, but you know, these rocks that we moved were huge. They were 40, 50 pound boulders, some of them. And, you know, for 20 guys to gang up on that and get it done for these guys to build the foundation of this church, that was a big deal for them. It would have taken them months to get the work done that we did in a couple of days. So 
I mean, it was, it was cool to be a part of that and, and know that you were helping, you know, for a greater good, for something, something positive and, and, and greater than, than you, you know, and, and all of us bonded up there doing that. You know, we shared stories, we busted each other's balls, we laughed, we joked, you know, we got, you know, the local guys involved in it. We were laughing and joking with those guys and it was fun. It was a cool experience. It was hot. It was rainy. You know, the, the weather was kind of miserable, but I don't think one guy on top of that mountain complained in two days. I mean, the working conditions was never on anybody's mind, you know, ever, even in the rain. I mean, the second day we were there, it rained. And I don't mean this was like a, a small shower. It rained. It, it stormed. But we just kept on going, you know, laughing, joking, carrying on, having a good time. But, you know, at the end of the day, we hiked back down the mountain. It was the same thing passing local, saying hi, talking, talking amongst ourselves, and just kind of taking in the scenery. The other cool thing that we did, though, every afternoon we would stop at this gas station on the way back to the orphanage. We always we joked around the whole trip that this gas station was the coldest place in Haiti. The air conditioner in this thing, man, was set at like 40 degrees. You know, and we were sweating and wet from the rain, so we froze. <laughs> but it was a cool experience. You know, and I, I keep saying that cool experience. It just was. I mean, every time I turned around, we were having another experience on this trip. Well, you know, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, what the hell was so cool about sitting in the back of a gas station? Well, when you work hard like that and you bond with new people and you get to experience that, just having a beer in the back of a gas station with those guys was, it was amazing. It was awesome. It was a fun time you know, to laugh and joke around and share the day and and get to do that. And what made it even cooler was the second day on Thursday that we did that, you know, there was two local kids that was uh, a friends with E. And, you know, they hiked up the mountain with us. They worked with us all day long. And, you know, the majority of the day, most of us just thought they were there to help. But then, you know, at the end of the day, we get to this gas station and, you know, that's when I think everybody's minds were blown when, you know, E got everybody's attention and said, you know, the two friends of his that were with us working all day, the only reason they came on this trip was because they handcrafted these first form necklaces with leather and exacto knives. They were handmade. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't, I still can't describe that. I still don't have a, a word to describe that other than grateful to be a part of that you know and to to hear e tell those two guys a story you know how they wanted to do this as a gift and you know the way that 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 was presented to all of us was just it was amazing it was it was awesome i'm very fortunate to be a part of that and to to receive one of those necklaces i still have it i wear it every day um i'll cherish it forever um it was cool you know, and then he had went on, you know, and, and told the group about an online business that he is trying to get off the ground with those guys doing sandals, you know, on an e-commerce site. And, you know, me as an entrepreneur, I see that stuff and I just get, you know, all worked up. It's awesome for me to hear that and to see that. And, you know, that night at the high-low after dinner, that was definitely what I had told all the guys was my high, you know, because... To, to back up on the way down the mountain Thursday afternoon, um, McKende was one of our other guys guides on this trip. He lives there locally, um, 
where we were at. And he had started a printing business. He had learned that the local school teachers there and the people that work in the orphanages, they had no way to make copies. You know, they would have to take a taxi or something and spend more money getting into town to make these copies than what they actually spent on one copy. So he figured out that he could start this printing business in one of these um, homes, no power, runs off a generator, using, you know, regular office printers, and he's doing well with it. And he's trying to grow it and get it off the ground. And I can't stress this enough, man. If you're standing in that environment to see that, see the way that the people live there, and then to see that there's people there that want to advance. They want to better themselves. They want to, you know, they want to build a business and they want to, they want to do things for the country and for their community. And that was just really cool for me to see, you know, a guy there locally where there is no business, there's no commerce, was able to start a business there and, and to see it grow. And then, you know, to hear E tell his story about how they're trying to sell these sandals to support the people there and get this business off the ground, which E, if you're listening, buddy, I, I apologize. I've been busy since we got back. I still need to, to talk to you about that. And I'm very interested in trying to help you there any way I can. So, but that was definitely my high for that night was to see the way that you know, entrepreneurship there in Haiti has a chance, you know, and then the next morning was, was Friday morning. That was where we got to go to Friendship Island, they call it. Um, It's right off the coast of of Haiti there. And it's where a cruise line takes some of their passengers there and hangs out for the day. Just an overall really cool experience. But before I get into that, you know, um, there was a guy, Hans, who lives there, who owns a, um, It was called um, Haitian Creole Tours. You know, and he's trying to get this business going, and he's it's basically a concierge service, you know, is is kind of what I would dub that. And another cool experience for me was Thursday night when we got back and we got done with our high-low and everybody's just kind of sitting around hanging out, waiting to go to bed, having a beer there, here uh, here and there. Um, Sal and I had sat at a table and was trying to help you know, this guy Hans, just giving him business tips, you know, on things that he could take advantage of that he wasn't really aware of. I mean, they're not really aware of much there. They don't, they have to utilize what they can. So it was cool to be a part of that conversation and to, you know, give whatever advice that I could. And that felt really good. It felt, it felt nice to be able to do that. And, you know, the next day he got up and and him and his guy, they did an amazing job. They loaded us all up in, oh, excuse me. They loaded us all up in boats um, took us out to this island and we spent the day drinking, um, just hanging out, getting to know one another. And it was kind of like a, you know, it was a relaxation day. We were enjoying the view. The views from that island were astounding. They were amazing. Um, that's that we just bonded the whole day and got to know Hans and his guys and, and, um, relax with one another and, and bullshit, bust balls and, and tell stories. It was, it was fun. Got back to the lodge that night. And, um, that was probably the best high low night we had, you know, cause we kind of like unloaded the whole trip as a group. But, um, it was cool. Um, 
when we got back from Friendship Island that evening was when we got to the pinnacle of the trip, I would say, for most of us. That's when we got a good three, four hours to spend with the kids at the orphanage, you know, running around, playing, playing football, kicking soccer balls, coloring, you know, just spending time with those kids and to be around them and interact with them and see how happy that they are, see how happy that they, you know, I'm sorry, but that, that was an amazing thing for me to be a part of, to, to be around those kids for that three or four hours was very uplifting. And it it made all of my, the things that I had going on in my life and the, the stress and the worries from everything from my business and everything I had going on back home, it made it all go away. It literally just made it all go away. And I think, I think those three, four hours with those kids is what put me in, I would say a week long mind fog. And I literally, since I've been back from Haiti up until about yesterday, day before have been in a very serious mind fog. I let everything go. You know, I was really stressed over just different business things that we had going on. And when I got back, I was done. Like it did, it wasn't bothering me anymore. You know, I just, I think I just kind of let it go after being around those kids and being on that trip. It just made it all go away. Because I think I, I finally realized that, you know, those aren't problems. You know, I told myself, I'm like, Don, the things you're worried about, they're not that bad. You know, you're, you're stressing and causing yourself anxiety. And, you know, Yvonne stresses over things and causes herself to have, you know, small bouts of anxiety. But these aren't problems. They're really not in the grand scheme of things. They're things that we can figure out and we can take care of and get done and we're blessed, beyond blessed, to have that opportunity to be able to solve those problems here. But we got on a plane Saturday morning and uh, flew back to Miami. And everybody kind of went their separate ways. I know most of the guys hung out there in the airport to watch the Blues game, but um, everybody kind of went their separate ways. We've all stayed in touch since then, you know, and, uh, that's been great to be able to keep in contact with a lot of those guys. You know, I, I made some, uh, lifelong friends with some of those guys that I had never met and never been a part of before. So I'm very fortunate for that. Um, I left a lot of stuff out of this and I apologize for that, but I, you know, there's some of the things that I did leave out, I would like to keep private. Um, for myself, but, you know, I just kind of wanted to give you an overall, you know, an overall overview of, of my trip and my experience there. It was beyond an amazing experience, you know, and I keep getting asked, would I go back? Would I go back? The absolute, the answer is absolutely yes. I would go back. I would go back in a heartbeat with that same group of guys. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's what made it, you know, it was knowing that I was going with a group of guys that had the same mindset, the same culture, the same drive to want to do the same things and accomplish the same things for the right reasons. So that's why I'm saying I would absolutely go back with that group of guys. Um, I would advise you, if you ever have a chance to go do anything like that for not just the people of Haiti, but period, if you ever have a chance to go and do something that's bigger than you and greater than you and for a greater cause than you, I would absolutely go do it. Don't think about it. 
just go do it because the however you want to label it, the cliche saying that it is life changing is 100% the truth. It is 100% the truth. It'll change your life. It'll change the way that you put your life here on this in this country into perspective. We are very blessed to have the things that we have, and we are very blessed to be able to do the things that we do every day and the, have the comforts of life that we have. And we all, including myself, even now, we still have tendencies to take that for granted. So please keep that in mind. Never forget that. That's all I got, guys. If you have any more questions about the trip from Haiti or you want to talk about it or anything of that nature, you can uh, DM me on Instagram. You know, shoot me an email, donatcleanies.com. I'd be more than happy to talk about it and share more experiences with you. Um, And I look forward to doing that again and going on that trip again very soon. Hopefully next year we'll, we'll do it all again. So... Thanks for listening, and uh, until next time. Well, there you have it. That's our two cents, and that's our clean truth. For more information on Clean Eats, visit www.cleaneats.com. To find Yvonne and I on social media, on Instagram, I'm Don underscore Verity, V-A-R-A-D-Y. To find Yvonne, it's just Yvonne Verity, all lowercase. Thank you. Have a great day, guys.